Where is everyone? I'm right here. Where is everyone? We're all here. What? You know the whole thing happened this morning? Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Thank you for having me. Who all? I know a bunch of the original parties. Well, they just got back, right? <laughs> I mean, don't you have to put salt, pepper, and sriracha? Oh, okay. Is there waiting for the problem? Okay. What's up, everyone? Yeah. 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 Welcome to everyone. Another all team. Um, so some of you have known me for a long time, and some of you don't know me at all. Um, yeah, and some of you have just had small interactions with me, but I cherish them so much. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I, I want to spend so much more time with every single person here. Um, you guys are family, and you know that. Hope, hopefully you know that from my heart, too. But, Anyways, tonight I would like to talk about one of the topics that is very near and dear to my heart. It's uh, made me cry a lot. It's made me cuss at the Lord. It's made me uh, question faith. Uh, lots of things throughout the years. Um, I've taught on it a, a little bit, and uh, tonight as I was preparing, I just threw a bunch of scripture on a page. So if you like reading scripture, we'll probably do a little bit of that tonight. But um, Yes, so I'm going to be talking about the finished work of the cross which is so vast and so big that uh, not even a thousand talks on it could, could cover it. Um, I believe that what Jesus did on the cross, we only probably know a slice of. Um, so for those of you that don't know me as well, you might have maybe seen me working around campus or doing construction stuff. And while that's all well and good, um, Jesus is important to me and... Uh, I really like theology a lot and, and philosophy and stuff like that. Um, so anyways, that's my two cents, I guess. Um, so, finish work of the cross. Everybody ready? Yeah. 7.40, I'm going to kill this in, in an hour or less. Because I believe, I believe I actually have next week as well. Next Tuesday, next Tuesday. Um, but we'll figure that out. I'll probably just blow through it all and then. Part one. Yes. Part one. Okay. So first and foremost, I would love to to say to you all, Happy Easter. Yes, happy Easter. I got a bunch of happy He is risen. Um, he is risen. <laughs> risen indeed. Um, I want to zone in just for just for a sec on uh, on the actual death of Christ um, on the cross. I'm just going to read a short thing from John 19. Um, so you guys know the story, probably um, the whole shebang. So he's hanging there, so I'm jumping to while he's hanging there. Um, He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Um, And then it goes on to say, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. He cried out, I am thirsty, hanging there, bloody mess. Sorry to anybody who's a little queasy. Um, 
A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it up and shoved it in his face. <clears throat> Can you imagine what vinegar would do to your body? <clears throat> when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It's amazing to me. Um, it is finished. So the finished work of the cross. Um, in the in the Greek, you might have heard it, it's called uh, tetelestai, and it's called and it basically, if you want to like shorten down the the Greek definition, it basically means to accomplish, to carry out, to end, to finish, to fulfill, to execute, to conclude, to pay in full, which is uh, like referencing a debt, so paying in full, to end. So if that doesn't get as clear as it can, um, it is finished. So I guess the whole thing is this, this random question of, or not random, but this big question of what, what did he actually finish? Now, some say like maybe he fulfilled, he fulfilled scripture, like in the, in the passage, like, you know, all these prophecies, right? in Isaiah and all these books, like he, uh, he did a lot of things over the course of his life, and he said, "This is this is to fulfill. This is to fulfill Scripture. This is to fulfill." And uh, at the end, he hangs there and says, "It is finished," and, and gives up his spirit. So, uh, your turn. In ten seconds or less, what do you think that Jesus did on the cross? Just like throw me some ideas. What did he do? Okay. Kill death. Great. Kill death. Love that. Yes. Great. Saved his own. He made yes. way to the helper. Yes. Father adoption. Mm-hmm. Yes. New covenant. New covenant. Okay. I think he literally completed it, everything. Like in that moment, the world would never be the same after that. So it was finished. I'm going to allow you a little bit longer on your 10 seconds. Can you explain? Yeah, so. I think, <laughs> like, I think in the greater narrative of the picture, huh. that was the climax like that was it the death of him to save us was it and everything else is just us sitting in the goodness of what it actually did love it great any others yeah just for a split second I would say he gave us a way back to the Lord yeah yeah. Kind of going on reference on that. That's when Jesus was separated from the Lord. That's also when uh, the the what's the the veil. The, 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 the Holy Ghost no longer was confined to being occupied through priests. It was when we were more connected with God. It was God's separation from the Son and connection to us in the same time period. Love that. I think the verse where it's like the work that He started, and you feel So, I don't, this is just something that I like to do. I just like to provoke. So, um, guys, this is, this is, this is the finished work of the cross in less than an hour, in my opinion. So please take this with a grain of salt. And I think the, the main, the main thing I would encourage you to do is just rest and sit in this stuff. Like, you know, we're all Christians or no, you know, like. We say all these things, but like, who is he really to you? What has he really done for you? Like all this stuff is so important that we have to actually absorb and identify with. And, and if it's all question and if it's all mystery or struggle or wrestle, like that is also okay. Like God is totally cool with our wrestle and our struggle. He's totally cool with any question we ask him. Like, absolutely. Like, uh, Yes. Yes. Um, well, Hebrews twelve two tells us that the joy set before him is why he endured the cross. So then, another question comes up to me: Is what was this joy? Remember when he's in the garden, Gethsemane? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 
freaking out. All his buddies are asleep. And uh, literally the, the weight, I, I believe the weight of the world of, of, of sin was on his shoulders. And, and he, he actually pleads with the Lord and says, if you can take this cup from me, please. I don't want it. <laughs> like, this is too tough. And then he said, nevertheless, not your will, but, or not my will, but yours be done. And uh, I think that's an insane passage right there. But what was the joy set before him that he could endure? I think is another good question to ask. Um, again, I'm just merely here to propose things to you. And I'm honestly just going to read a bunch of scripture. So um, I'm still changing my mind on what I believe on all this stuff. I think I have some solid points that, that I stand on, firm foundation, but... Again, I just charge you to, to keep digging in on what he actually did. Um, I believe, like Andrew said, I believe he came to set the captives free. And I believe that that was all of humanity. Remember in the beginning in Genesis, he made man in his image and in his... Yeah. That was from the get-go. And also, bonus... Somewhere in Isaiah, it said the, the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. But I'll just let you guys deal with that. Um, yeah. I believe that he came to set captives free. And that's a huge statement. But I think it's free from bondage. I think it's free from shame. Free from insecurity. Free from the religious lies. Free from striving and trying to measure up to something that you're never going to achieve. Free to live life and life to the full, right? What did Jesus say? I have come so that you may have fill in the blank. <clears throat> Jesus said, okay, so that's kind of like my two cents. The, uh, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Remember in Matthew 6, he was talking to uh, a bunch of people and he said, like, don't be hypocritical. Like, don't just pray in, in the public realms. Like, you should be praying in the closet, like in your private space. And he's like, if you don't know what to pray, this is what you should pray. Everybody with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, that's good. How long has the church been reciting this? How long? About 10 seconds after that moment. Yeah. Did anyone catch uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Yeah. Here's what it doesn't say. Your kingdom is greater than they will ever know, and your will is perfect, and they'll never measure up. And please, please let them get through the trials of earth with enough good behavior so that they can be good boys and girls and enter into heaven. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus said on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that that is one of the main reasons that he actually came into humanity, was flesh and blood like you and me, and did what he did to prove this point. It's a, it's a signal. It's a. Whew. Can't go too far. I'll cry. Amagio Dei, right? In the image of God. God said that man was made from the beginning in his Im- image and his likeness, and he told him to subdue the earth, right? Fulfill it, multiply, and rule. That was his original command to humanity. And then, you know, humanity, like, uh, screwed around a little bit, you know, (laughs) screwed up some. It's all good. Do you guys remember uh, Ethan's talk uh, last week when he was talking about born to be loved? That was the main, huh? Ethan Wendell, yeah. Ethan's talk, yes. Um, He said, uh, you know, his whole crazy story and then he said he finally learned that the main objective for him was to learn how to be loved and that that was the first the first thing that he believes and I believe that that God calls us to is to actually understand that 
your loved from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I mean, do we need to quote John 3.16, right? I think the whole goal of the cross was to once and for all send a very loud signal that God's goal is unity he just wants his family he just wants his family we're going to dig in just a little bit but you know the scripture says that he wants all to come to repentance repentance is this word called metanoia which means to change your mind. It means to stop thinking one way and to start thinking another way. And I think, like I was saying, your wrestle is good, God's good with all your questions. I think sometimes the wrestle is the best way to change your mind. Because it's like, God, I have this thought from, from this church that I grew up in, and they've just like pounded this theology or, or some type of revelation into me. But now that I'm getting to know you, I'm starting to question that. And so you're wrestling with these ideas and these thoughts. And I think God's totally good with all of it because the whole point of all of this is a relationship with him. That's the whole point. To know that he's your supply. To know that he's your ever-present help in time of need. Like, this is not just a religion, guys. (laughs) Hopefully I don't have to say that. Hopefully I'm preaching to the choir there. But, man, it's all about encounter. It's all about relationship. And that, that's his main point. So the more, like Andrew said uh, the other week, the more you get to know the man, that's, that's really the, that's the meat of it all, is getting to know the man. Romans 2 says, uh, Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? Or another translation would say, the goodness of God leads you into repentance or leads you into changing your mind. God's not all about the judgment hammer. He's not all about spanking you. He's not about dangling you over fire. That's not God, right? Can I get an amen? God's good and he's only good. So, you know, uh, who was the Jonathan Edwards? God, he, he, he kept referencing God as this like maniacal being that like literally dangles people over fire and that was literally taught so canceling all of that crap theology God is good and he gives good gifts to his kids remember from the father of lights he gives good gifts he wants the best for his kids so it is the goodness and the kindness of God that leads us to change our minds so all I'm doing tonight and the next 30 minutes is telling you how good God actually is and what he actually did on the cross and that it's actually good news. (laughs) You guys know the verse, Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Another version says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So the goal tonight is, yes, expounding on the goodness of God, but also challenging you to consider the way that you think. What we say a lot around here is, God's better than you think he is. And man, I love that phrase. Okay, everybody, if you got a Bible or a phone, uh, Colossians 2, <clears throat> 9 through 15. I'm going to read it from a little bit different. Uh, it's called the Passion Translation, if you're familiar. Uh, you can try to follow along. But if you can't or don't want to, that's fine. I'm just going to read it, so just soak the words up if you want. Colossians 2, 9 through 15. Okay, now that you found it, Highlight it and then put your phone away. If you want to. I'm just going to read it. So everyone, if you don't mind, just listen. Because this, this uh, translation is really good, but I just wanted you to have the reference. For he, Christ, Christ, is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. 
and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ did. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon of all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. And to me, that's the finished work of the cross. And we'll dig in, but do you guys remember dying? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, the, the like, I die daily thing, but like, do you ever remember being nailed to the cross? Because that's, that's what that just said. That's how we died with it. Um, All right, so two, two kind of main texts for the night uh, tonight is 2 Corinthians 5, which you guys can read along if you'd like to, um, verse 14 through something, 21 or something. Yeah, probably 21. All right, everyone say the word all. All. All right, 2 Corinthians five fourteen. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Why? Because all died crazy, right? Remember, Paul said, I, I resolved to know nothing about you besides Christ and him crucified. Can you read the whole thing again? Yes. I would love to. <laughs> yes. For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we were once regarded, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Down to 17. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that, is, all that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and has given the ministry of reconciliation to us. Basically. Different translation. So. Going down to 19. I'm, I'm reading from the Passion here, but. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions, and he has entrusted us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are the ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world, as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Now this isn't the scary type of turn back to God, right? This isn't like, or I'll beat you. This is like, because he's actually so good. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, 
so that we who do not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God. Anybody ever heard that before? We've become the righteousness of God through Christ. That's what he did. And by the way, reconciliation just means reconnected. Reconnected. As though maybe once we were connected. Okay, now the good stuff. Romans 6. One of my faves. Starting at verse 5, I'm going to read from the NIV first. I'm just blasting you with scripture right now, so if you're getting bored, it's all good. Romans 6, verse 5. Okay, NIV. For For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Who died again? So who's been set free from sin? Me. Sweet. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. Once and for all. Uh, But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And I believe unpacking all of that is a lifetime worth of, Mm -hmm. of questioning and wrestling. I mean, what did he actually do? Okay, this is from the message translation. I don't know how you guys feel about the message translation. It's a kind of like a yeah, paraphrasing, but it's really cool. So same same exact thing. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this: if we get included in Christ's sin conquering death. We also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God God speaks your mother tongue. And you hang on every word. You're dead to sin and alive to God. One more time in the Passion Translation. Sharing his death, sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and co-entombed with him. Can you imagine? So that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. For the joy set before him. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life it imparts. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin with us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So good. Could read it all day long. Two seconds. And then in Colossians, which we were reading, back at the Bible study. Right there, boom, in the beginning in Colossians 3, it says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away with God in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, 
who you really are will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in his glory. So when uh, Ethan talked the other week, yes, blast of scripture, sorry. When, uh, when Ethan talked the other week, he talked about the scripture John 17. Do you guys remember reading some of that? He talked about Jesus. basically one of Jesus' last prayers was, Father, make them one as you and I are one. Us in them, and them in us. I believe that the whole goal of all of it was unity. He just wanted his family back. I truly believe that. I believe that he wanted it back so bad that he had the plan from the foundations of the world. And that he actually made himself flesh and blood to send the signal. Hey, like... This old life, this, I say this old life, but this life that you feel like you're living in isn't actually reality. And I'm coming to reconcile, I'm coming to set the record straight. I'm coming to reconcile all of humanity to myself, as we just read. All die with me and all resurrect with me so that we may be one. Hmm. I'm just reading scripture. (laughs) Honestly. You know, Paul's like, I no longer live, but it's Christ in me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's so many references. When I first woke up to some of this stuff, guys, like, the whole Bible changed to me. Mm-hmm. The whole, the, all of Scripture changed to me. I didn't even really like reading Scripture. <laughs> until I actually, until I actually realized who God was and what he actually did. And then, not only did my Scripture readings change, but my life changed. Literally. In 2016, I had the, one of the biggest, like, if you want to call it an awakening or whatever, revelations about God. And I would consider to say, like, everything before that in my Christian life, because I grew up a Christian, blah, 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 to me is like black and white. Mm-hmm. And since that day slash year slash until now, I feel like my life is more in color. Mm-hmm. Like, it changed my whole perception and perspective on who God was, because I grew up, like, a little more liberal, if you will, like, on the, like, charismatic side of stuff. And I still believed that, like, we were to strive and we were to perform our best or else, like, we were this, like, filthy sinner and we had to, like, repent from our sins every night. Like, obviously, I'm, like, being a little extreme. But do you know what I mean? Like, where the church beats you over the head and says, like, you can't measure up. Like, sin literally means missing the mark. But Jesus came and said, Bingo! (laughs) You have the mark now. Like, he's saying, like, guys, throw your whole entire mentality of what what you're striving for and what you're thinking of about this in the trash. And realize what I actually did for you on the cross, which was check reconciled fully fully unified with the father now here's the thing yeah a plus here's the thing most of us don't fully grasp or understand that reality myself included and so therefore we still see stupid people doing stupid things in our world right if everybody understood what jesus did and the full reality of it i have a feeling that things would look a lot different but, but I do believe that this life that you and I live, the more we wake up to what God did and who he says we are, the more that our lifestyle and our words literally reveal to people what God did. Just like we were talking about the, I don't even know what the, uh, where it was, but the salt on the, on the, the seasoning on the food. Yeah. So like instead of like just dumping like a big pile of salt on the side of the plate and being like church, like salt's actually meant for all the food, that kind of thing. This, this, this is our, so in second Corinthians five, it says he reconciled the world to himself and has given us now the ministry of reconciliation. So basically he's say, saying, Hey, be like me. Sorry. He's saying, He's saying, this is what I did for you. Fully reconnected, fully check plus, well and whole. 
you're good in my eyes, right? That's what God says. And then he's saying, I'm giving you the ministry to tell people the exact same thing. I'm giving you the ministry to go to other people and say, well and whole. Check plus. That is literally what I believe that, that Jesus did, along with a myriad of other things. But, okay, one more thing. Uh, right before Jesus left, and right before he prayed in John 17, the Father make them one as you and I are one. <clears throat> Basically, kind of out of the blue, but he told the disciples, like, oh, by the way, uh, you're not going to see me in a little while. I'm going to be gone. And they all start freaking out, saying, where are you going? What's going on? And he said, if I don't do this, then the advocate, the helper, can't come. So he's saying, I have to go, right? John 15 and 16. He's saying, I have to go so that my helper can come. I feel like it has a, 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 a correlation between where he's hanging on the cross and it says he gave up his spirit. Because remember, the next thing. After the three days, he resurrects. He walks with the disciples and they have no clue who he is, right? And then he walks through the door where all the disciples were hiding because they were scared for their lives. He doesn't open the door. He walks through it. He pops in and he's like, peace, I say to you. And then he said, receive my spirit. And he blows on them. He says, receive my Holy Spirit. And this was the whole goal, I believe. The other... So... I can't preach for too long. Guys. Okay, remember when Remember when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dunked in the water, and John's like, Who am, I'm not worthy enough to do that. And Jesus is like, no, it is fitting for you to do this. So he dunks him in the water, comes back up, the sky splits open, thunderous voice, movie style, you know. And God says, what? This is my son. In whom I'm well pleased. And he was 30, right? And then this dove, this little bird. Can you imagine this? It's weird. This little bird comes and sits on his shoulder. Symbolizing, a lot of people say it symbolizes the Holy Spirit. So after our baptism, which is very similar to changing your mind or repentance, saying I'm not going to identify with this lifestyle anymore, I'm going to identify with this one, a.k.a. We were with him when he died, and we were with him when he resurrected. Now, reconciled, he says, receive my spirit, and he blows on. And just before Jesus died, he's like, I have to go so that my spirit can come. And then there's, I mean, I could give a whole another talk on who Holy Spirit is, but guys, he, he, is, the, he is the one. He is the guide. He is the voice that speaks to you and tell you and tells you who God is. Like I heard this teaching one time we went to a conference in, in LA and one of the worship leaders there just like had like a 20 minute segment. And he was just talking about like, why is the church so afraid of Holy spirit? Mm-hmm. Like it's got this like taboo thing on it. Like, okay, we're good with God. We're good with Jesus. But Holy spirit's like a little freaky, you know, he's like, don't bring out the snakes, you know, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> But, but what if the Trinity is actually real and that they're all one? And so to deny Holy Spirit is to, not, to deny a third of who God is. So that smacked me in the face so hard. And the Spirit doesn't have to be freaky. And in fact, we actually kind of need the Holy Spirit. Very much so. But anyways, so all of all of what I've said and, and read, most, mostly just read, um, I'm just sharing it because it smacked me in the face and I hope it smacks you in the face. Just wrapping your head around like, I actually died with him and I was raised with him and now I have this, this whole new identity. Remember it said the old has passed away, the new has come? News here, new creation. Like if we actually wrap our heads around what that really means, this whole paradigm, this whole way that we sometimes think, literally gets thrown into the trash. You're, you're, which is my main last point is 
Christianity is riddled with anxiety. It's riddled with stress. It's riddled with fear and insecurity. Everybody's trying to, like, what I, what I read, like, be a good boy until you get sentenced into heaven. Like, that is sometimes, or, like, not knocking on everybody, but, like, that is sometimes a general sense of what, what some Christians are taught, is what I'll say. But that's not the point at all, remember? On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came in flesh and blood to send this loud, loud signal well and whole, reconciled, reconnected. Like, my goal is that they can be one just as you and I are one, us and them, them and us, like, back to original design. Man was made in God's image and likeness. And that never changed. It never changed. Man's actions changed a lot. And guess what? They still change a lot. But the fact of the matter, which I like to say the objective truth, is that he did it. He finished the work. Well and whole, reconciled, nothing you can do about it, not your fault. The thing that catches us up is our subjective reality, what we actually believe about it. If we don't understand that God's good, we don't treat him like he's good. And we don't probably treat other people like they're halfway decent. It becomes this self-life. It becomes this self-absorbed life where everything is about you because you don't understand what God actually did. Because remember, the more we learn about God, the more we learn about ourselves. That's been said several times. Our identity is all wrapped up in Him whether you believe it or know it or not. He created you, formed you in your mother's womb. So my thing is, the more we understand about the finished work of the cross, the more it changes your life. Because having revelation like that and saying, God, that like you are actually good and holy crap, what did you do for me? And dying to this whole paradigm that I have to strive and perform to make God happy. Remember the prodigal son? Another big one? The son goes and like squanders all the, the father's money and like eats with pigs and then he realizes what the heck he's doing and then he runs back to the father. What does the father do? Opens his arms and runs towards him. This is what I mean when the scripture says God wants all to come to repentance because this life is not a bad life. It's actually designed for our good. He gives his kids good gifts. The fruit of the spirit is joy, peace, patience. Right? So this is actually all designed for our benefit. There's no shame involved. There's no con- there is now no therefore no condemnation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But man, where we uh, I'll speak for myself. Where we maybe innocently talk differently. Yeah. Yeah. I just encourage you guys to figure out what the finished work means to you. Figure out what Jesus really did for you. Mm-hmm. Because I can go on and on, of course. Paul always talks about this mystery. This mystery is Christ. This mystery is Christ. This mystery is Christ. And that is the big mystery. (laughs) But I honestly believe, like, demolished, destroyed sin nature. This is a huge thing. Basically, he's saying, if you want to resurrect the sin nature and live in it, you can. You can. You're free to do that. If you want to keep living in this anxious performance lifestyle life and like stress and worry and did I perform okay today? That still exists all over the place. But that's actually not your nature and he actually nailed it to the cross for you. That was the finished work. So you can live still there if you want to. But all of what this is and what he's saying is you have a new identity or you can if you want to understand and realize it and start believing in it. 
You know, you guys know the proverb, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Religion wants to change your actions and your behaviors. But God just wants the heart. Amen. He just wants repentance. Good. He just wants you to change your mind. Can you imagine being such a good father and watching your kids do whatever the heck they wanted to? And, and almost out of love, holding yourself back, instead of like rescuing and saving everyone and just saying, like, you must love me, I'm your dad. He gives everyone this free choice. He comes down in flesh and blood and makes a huge signal and says, hey, I would love for you to tell everybody about me and what I've done for humanity. But he doesn't rush to, to, to gather and, and squeeze and, and hold tight, just like the prodigal son's father, right? He lets the prodigal son go. He, make, he lets him make his own free choice. Just like God did in the garden. Tree of knowledge of good and evil, tree of life. That's a good God. Some people pose that as maybe a bad and an evil thing, but God lets us exercise our freedom, which I probably should talk about that more next week. Um, no, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what I'm getting at is this revelation of what God actually did, it changes your life. It changes how you interact with people. It changes how you treat God. Duh. It changes the way that you think about stuff. It changes the way that you treat the guy in the, in the grocery store yeah. or the homeless guy on the street. Mm-hmm. It just changes all of that stuff because he's like, it's like, okay, he died for all. Like, Christ and him crucified everywhere. Like, yeah. what does this mean? Yeah. Like, I, I do some worship stuff, obviously, and I've, like said a lot of those ad-lib things, you know, like in the middle between songs and stuff. But I believe why we worship is actually an overflow of the heart yeah. instead of like, okay, everybody, raise your hands. We're going to sing this song. Yeah. It's like, no. Like, yeah. listen, why would you worship something that you don't want to worship? <laughs> or you don't place value in? Yeah. Yeah. Hello? Then you can just sit there. That's fine. Yeah. Like, that's not your revelation right now, but, but like, I believe out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks is why David like stripped buck naked and started dancing in the yeah. streets yeah. Amen. because he loved the Lord yeah. and it was in his heart. And so this is what I'm saying. Once you more like understand more of what he did and who you are, all this stuff that we've been talking about, like that starts to change your behavior. It's not, it's not a, uh, Watch your mouth, young, young boy. You know? It's like, okay, I don't want to speak like a jerk. Because I treat people differently. Because I see them differently. The Lord said, abide in me as I abide in you. He's saying, I'm already there. It's what I did. So, done. Three, three things. Uh, or more, but probably three. Uh, guys, it's so good in a healthy place, in a healthy way. Question everything. That's just my advice. <laughs> question everything about God. Question everything about God. Because he's a good father and he'll answer you. And he'll actually give you more of an accurate answer than you can find. Because it's him. So, wrestle, challenge, in a healthy way. Don't, don't lead people astray. Don't, don't go to somebody and say, like, hey, I'm struggling whether there's a hell or not, or whatever, like, crazy thing that you're wrestling with. Don't necessarily go to someone, you know what I'm saying? Like, just be, yeah, like, whatever. Just do it in a healthy way. In, in your prayer closet, it's probably the best way. I say prayer closet, but whatever. Out in the woods or something. Whatever, whatever you like to do with the Lord. <laughs> healthily question the Lord ask him anything he's not afraid of your questions he'll give you answers I promise I promise I promise put on some worship music that always helps okay that's one I guess number two is something 
No, think of it. That's good. Something. You can get a three. Oh, right. <laughs> 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 number two is um, coffee. <laughs> yeah, number two is coffee. Um, in my mind, I made three. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, number one is definitely question and, and be okay with, with asking questions. Because God likes that. Get to know the man and not necessarily all of what you're told or what you read Um, number two yeah just dig into what the Lord actually did this finished work will never be fully answered but man it it leads to a lot of great conclusions number two is God's good guys he's he's actually good so everything you read about him even even the challenging stuff Old Testament gets freaky yeah. Right? <laughs> who stays who stays the same? Who doesn't ever change? God. If you believe he's good. Yeah. And then three, just to let you know, you're fully reconciled. Yeah. He did it. He did the work. It's not your fault. You can agree with it or not. The objective truth is that he did it for you. And that all he wants, all he wants is for you to understand that and, and be in that relationship with him. He's not a forceful God. He's not evil. He lets you have your free choice. But man, there's such a reward in, in having someone love you back. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can love someone all day long, but then when they love you back and it's their own free volition, that's true. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, fully reconciled, guys. Well and whole. Even if you wrestle through it all for months, I just want to be a champion of, of the word really but mm-hmm. just to let you know that it's all good you know the scripture says even when we, even when we are faithless he is faithful yeah. what what does that mean God is love and love never fails how about that one anyways Guys, he's better than you think. Maybe that should be my third one. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, it's 8.30, I did it. Um, <laughs>